0: You, you've really made your career out of, you know, helping people to kind of push beyond, you know, maybe some of their boundaries or to stretch themselves. You started, you you were previously in education, weren't you? And I'd love to hear, like, what made you make that jump towards wanting to work with people more individually um, as a coach, as like an endurance athlete? Um, What helped you to kind of make that transition? towards really wanting to help people on this journey of of pushing themselves and learning from what we can learn as we push ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Seth. And I I think it, you know, speaks to that larger question that many entrepreneurs, uh, face of, you know, at some point maybe making that jump from uh, a more traditional form of employment with the company organization, government, et cetera, to self-employment. Um, and that's a, That's a big, scary step. You know, that was, uh, I guess it's almost 10 years ago now that that my wife and I um, both made that step simultaneously.
0: Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the show where we dive deep into the stories and secrets of businesses focused on not just making money, but making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers and my passion is helping businesses grow that are making the world a better place. Every episode, you will hear from transformational leaders and business owners as we dive into what has helped them grow, what has helped them stay true to themselves along the way. Also, every week we are hosting live conversations with our guests on Fireside Chat, where we give you, the audience, the opportunity to ask them your burning questions. So make sure to join us live on Fireside Chat on your mobile device. Let's dive in. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. All of you listeners are having a wonderful morning so far. If this is your first time listening to this show, my name is Seth Silvers, and this is the Small Business Storytellers. And our focus on this show is bringing stories of sustainable business growth to you and bringing stories of entrepreneurs that are driven by purpose. I've realized in my journey as an entrepreneur that I often can learn more practical business tips that apply to my business from learning from the business down the street that might not be a huge multinational conglomerate. Um, Yet a lot of the stories that are out there are these huge, huge businesses. So the goal of this show is really to bring you stories that are uh, driven by passion um, and that are applicable to your life, which is a lot of small businesses. So today is a fun episode in particular because, um, for many reasons. One, we have Travis Macy on the show. And two, I believe Travis and I are both in Colorado at the time. Travis, how are you doing this morning?
1: Yeah. Hey, Seth. Uh, Awesome to be here with you today and with listeners. And I am in Colorado. I live in Mm -hmm. Salida, Colorado. Uh, It's a small town in the mountains um, west of... uh, Pueblo, and um, yeah, I, I do not have a huge, huge business, but I do have a uh, a small one that that uh, has become sustainable and uh, you know offered me an opportunity to um, to help people and to create a lifestyle for myself and uh, my family that um, that we enjoy and appreciate,
0: which is amazing. And I think you know that that's the goal, and we're seeing that become more and more possible to have a small business that isn't huge, but doesn't need to be huge because it's about, you know, it's about sustaining and fulfilling the dreams that you have. And, and yeah, I'm calling, I'm, I'm in Fort Collins, which is about two and a half hours away, but we love, we love coming to Salida and Vista and have uh, quite a few friends in the area. And so we find ourselves in that area a couple times a year. So next time I'm there, we'll have to, uh, sit down for a beer or something. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's do it. We got craft beer, good coffee, trails, rivers, yep. pretty much everything you need right at the door.
0: Yeah. I, I love it. That's uh that's one of the areas that as we've, you know, if, as, as we've kind of dreamed and thought about like having a, you know, having a rental or having a house in yep. the mountains, it's like, you know, somewhere in that Valley would be great. It hasn't been overly commercialized yet. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. So listeners, if you haven't been to Salida or Buena Vista, you got to go. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So anyway, Travis, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'm excited to dive into your journey a little bit because uh, your lifestyle is pretty different than other people. Like you do a lot of different things. You do a lot of, you know, endurance races and you exercise a little bit differently than your average person. And so I want to get into your story. Um but first, before we do that, give our listeners just an idea of uh, what is, what is your business? How would you describe your business to somebody that doesn't know what you do?
1: Well, my job title is something around uh, athlete, author, speaker, and coach. And uh, the athlete part is uh, endurance racing. So over the years, I've done ultra running, adventure racing, uh, mountain biking, ski mountaineering, kind of a, a whole range of activities here in Colorado and, and around the country and, and around the world. Um, right. And most of my income uh, is as a coach. So I, I provide coaching in these sports to other adult endurance athletes. Uh, I supplement that with some speaking here and there, you know, whether that's corporate speaking for for income or, you know, maybe local or uh, School speaking, you know, less for income and kind of more of just for for fun and to right. um, try to make a difference. Um, I've I've written one uh, book, which uh, it's called mm-hmm. The Ultra Mindset. That came out in 2015, and that's been much less of a, uh, a you know direct money maker as far as the economics go, but um, very supportive to the coaching and speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, right business um i started a podcast uh just a few months ago and and um i'm really enjoying uh doing that you know again that's something that at, at least so far is not earning direct income but already has been helpful in bringing in some um some new coaching clients uh, and it's also just you know kind of part of part of my mission and part of what i uh what i enjoy so that's uh that's been a good Um, good piece to add to it.
0: That's awesome. And I I first became familiar with your story, probably like many people, by watching you on Amazon Prime. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you met a lot of people in the last year that kind of have came into your world through the show, The World's Toughest Race?
1: Uh, Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, that, that quirky sport of adventure racing is something, you know, that that me and my teammates and my friends in the community, you know, a lot of us have been doing it for, for a long time. But it it is very much a niche, uh, sport that you know, uh, at least as far as the general public in America is concerned, sort of lives in the shadows <laughs> until periodically, you know, there is a larger production like this one, you know, where they make a, a TV show out right. of it. So, um, yeah, you know, that's been um, I, I would say most helpful just you know as far as my dad and i are are concerned um you know if as people may or may not have seen on the show my dad was diagnosed with alzheimer's a couple of years ago and you know he's chosen to just really stay engaged as much as possible and and stay active and um it, you know that's kind of a, sh- a story that they uh tried to share in that tv production and and that's provided an opportunity to. um spread that message and to do some good fundraising for the Alzheimer's association and just to, um, pair with and, and connect with other families, uh, in the Alzheimer's community, which has been, I think really great for my parents, you know, to, to talk and connect with other people who, who are in a, a similar place. Um, and then also for, uh, for me, you know, to, to connect and, and as much as I can, um, help other, other people who are, you know, maybe going through the Alzheimer's journey right? um, sort of from the, the child standpoint, which is where, where I'm at at this point.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, it was an amazing story. And anybody that hasn't seen the show world's toughest race, I'd encourage you to go watch it. Uh, It's on Amazon prime and bear grills is the host and it's just, it's fun. Like we stumbled, my wife and I stumbled upon it and we were, uh, Super intrigued. I mean, we've never done adventure racing, but I mean, how long was like, give us some context for just what, what, what did that race entail?
1: Yeah. So this, this race, uh, you know, it's interesting because it is a, you know, on the one hand, it is a made for TV uh, production, but it, it it is very much a real race. You know, it's not a uh, contrived <laughs> challenge or something. It It, it is a real race. And like I said, you know, these races kind of happen like this all over the world and they don't show up on TV. And this this race was the same thing, just filmed. Um, but it is. So for those who are unfamiliar, adventure racing is a, a team sport where co-ed teams of four travel together day and night uh, over, in many cases, a, a number of days. So it, uh, the, I think the cutoff in this race was was 10 or 11 days. Uh, you know, again, a nonstop round the clock racing uh, where you're choosing when and where and how to sleep, and you're uh, navigating a variety of, of challenges. So there's uh, paddling, and in this race, it was rafts and stand up paddle boards and um, a boat called the Famakau, which is a native Fijian ocean watercraft. It's an outrigger canoe with a sail on it. Uh, there's a lot of mountain biking um there's a lot of trekking and you know by trekking it sort of means well if you if you can you're you're running uh and most likely you actually do more walking and, and hiking or or in many cases crawling through the jungle and through the rivers on on your hands and knees um there's fixed ropes uh so you know you get to a a waterfall or a rocky crag or something and these ropes are set up for you to repel and ascend and navigate, uh, fixed lines and that kind of thing. Um, and then the whole time you're, you're also navigating with map and compass. So it's not a marked course. It's a, uh, you know, a topo map and, and you're finding your way using that map and compass from point to point. And that's a, a huge piece of it.
0: Right. To, as well. So, anyway, and how can, how long was that track? How long was the the course? It was like it was yeah, over. This
1: one was, I think they said six hundred seventy one kilometers. Yeah, um, more or less. And you know, it's so that's four hundred something miles. And and again, you know, the exact distance, who knows? Because you you know, right. usually you get lost a little bit here or there. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was wild to see because you know there were it, there was pretty clearly there was the teams that. The goal was to finish, and that was the accomplishment, was yep. to finish. Yep. Probably most and then, of the
1: teams,
0: yeah. Yeah, most of yep. the teams. And then, you know, there was teams that their goal was to win, and, you know, they probably, I think, I can't remember, I think the winning team maybe did it in like seven days yep. or something. And, I mean, it seems like they were, you know, they maybe slept for probably less than, I don't know. Maybe it looked like maybe ten or fifteen hours in those like six or seven days. It seemed inhuman.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, the top teams. I think you're you're right. It was maybe five or six days to win it, and you know those those top uh, elite teams. You're looking at maybe something like two or three hours of of sleep per twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's a again a big piece of the strategy. When and where do you? sleep and stop, et cetera. You know, a, a, a unique challenge for our team, you know, sort of with, with Alzheimer's as this fifth and very much unknown teammate. One right. of the things that we knew is that we needed to to sleep because it would, it, you know, it'd be highly likely that dad would experience some pretty significant disorientation um, and maybe even worse if we didn't stop and sleep every night during the night. So we we were able to do that and we put a lot of strategy into, you know, how can we try to stop in the villages, you know, and get some nice, good sleep in people's houses. And and that really made for just one of the one of the best parts of the race was that cultural experience of, you know, coming into people's homes in rural Fiji and and, you know, sleeping in their in their small, simple houses on on the bamboo mats and connecting with them and, mm-hmm. and sharing some food and stuff. I mean, it was it was amazing.
0: Yeah yeah and I want to I want to kind of speak to how that kind of transitions back to what you do here but I I do have to ask are you what's the next I think the night they've said the next eco challenge is happening in uh where is it Patagonia are you are you trying to train for it or is it happening or I know because of COVID everything's a question yeah
1: great question yeah we we wanted to do it again you know we kind of um, yeah, originally the plan was they're, they're going to do a race in Patagonia, like maybe late 2020 or early 2021. And, um, and yes, just because of the ongoing COVID and just the, you know, the Amazon put millions and millions into that production and to plan that in an, you know, uncertain international picture, uh, um, right. just didn't really make sense. So it is, it's, it's postponed and, you know, we'll see there, there are, there's actually uh, right now, as we speak, there's a big race going on in, in Bend, Oregon. Um, you know, if, if people are listening to this and they're like, oh man, I want to, you know, learn more, um, check that out. If you, if you I, th- I think uh, the website is com as huh. in Bend, Oregon. And so, you know, it's a similar race. It, 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 it definitely will not be an Amazon production right. but you know a lot of the same top teams and stuff so yeah these hmm. these things are happening We're we're kind of waiting to see on an eco challenge i hope it happens again you know um, probably dad will not be competing in it but it would be great if uh you know if he can come along you know yeah. sort of maybe as a fan support crew uh whatever so anyway, right. we'll we'll take it piece by piece and just see absolutely. how it goes
0: absolutely so I, the thing that is amazing about the show is I think everybody that's watching realizes how, how much more our body can handle and how much more we are capable of as people, as humans, than, than we can ever imagine. Um, not to say that, you know, obviously training's a part of it, you know, I mean, there's a lot that you have to do to prepare, but, you know, seeing people do these things that I think, you know, 99.9% of the world would think there's no possible way a human could do all of that, you know, in six days or seven days. And then, you know, for you, you've really made your career out of, you know, helping people to kind of push beyond, you know, maybe some of their boundaries or to stretch themselves. You started you You were previously in education, weren't you? and I'd love to hear like what made you make that jump towards wanting to work with people more individually um, as a coach as like an endurance athlete yeah, um yeah. what helped you to kind of make that transition towards really wanting to help people on this journey of of pushing themselves and learning from what we can learn as we push ourselves?
1: yeah, yeah, that's a great question Seth and i th- I think it you know speaks to that larger question that many entrepreneurs. Uh, face of, you know, at some point, maybe making that jump from uh, a more traditional form of employment with the company, organ- organization, government, et cetera, to self-employment. Um, and that's a that's a big, scary step. You know, that was, uh, yeah. I guess it's almost 10 years ago now that, that my wife and I um, both made that step simultaneously. We, a- as you mentioned, uh, I had been a a high school English teacher. Um, Amy had been um, a, a high school uh, counselor, and we had both been over the, the last few years building the side businesses, and in my case, uh, the coaching and speaking and writing, and, and in Amy's case, uh, doing some independent post-secondary counseling on the side. And, you know, we'd both built up a, a bit of a clientele base, and, uh, you know, I kind of had the the interesting journey of, um, it, you know, really the I, I loved teaching, classroom teaching. In many ways, it was a good fit, but the, um, the honestly, the the income was challenging, and the the potential for uh, growing income was was very limited. And that had me initially looking at the option of becoming a a high school principal. So um, I I was you know kind of exploring that track. I was actually uh, about halfway through um an additional masters degree program uh you know in school leadership and and a principal licensure and um you know i just kind of r- realized uh you yeah. know through a lot of soul searching and you know talking with with mentors and family friends uh etc that you know if if i went into that world of of becoming a, a, a you know a public school principal my life was going to be Uh, a lot more out of my own control, just as far as um, time, income, uh, et cetera. And, you know, hey, there's this other option of going my own way, building um, the coaching and speaking, uh, which had a lot less uh, guarantee and, you know, had some things that we knew. Uh, You know, we, we had two young kids. We had a mortgage. And we, we both had, uh, you know, jobs with health insurance. And, you know, we knew if we leave these, we're immediately going to be paying $1,500 plus per month for health insurance, which, you know, for listeners in America, that's a pretty significant um, right. consideration. But we we also, um, you know, came to the viewpoint, and, and, and this is something I've, you know, tried to live by, I, I want to try to make more of my choices based on going towards what i want than going away from what i'm afraid of right and very often whether it's in business or in sports or relationship or you know almost any area of life when you go towards what you want you can almost guarantee that right in the way is going to be something that you're afraid of right and you know back to the eco challenge like was there a risk of going out in Fiji with an older guy with Alzheimer's, you know, hell yeah, there was. And a lot of the risk, we didn't even know what it was, but we also knew here's a really important thing to us. Um, And and I also think sometimes when, when we're making these decisions, uh, again, very much in the entrepreneur world, you know, we think about, well, what's the, the risk of doing it as far as income uncertainty, again, health insurance, yada, yada. We fail to look at what's the risk of not going for it, you know, what it, often there's a huge, in my opinion, a huge personal risk of not pursuing something that you're actually excited about in life, right? You know, that's how people slowly get beat down and chipped away. And, you know, pretty soon, right. you're just kind of going through the motions in life. And, you know, you you start looking at things like Alzheimer's or health diagnoses or pandemics, and we kind of always all realize that, you know, life is fickle and it may be short. And, you know, I think there's a value in going for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so many people that are living lives where they're not connected to what they really they're not connected to their dreams they're you know they're just kind of going through the motions and I think even from a health perspective that begins to wear on us certainly from a stress perspective yeah totally yeah and I mean I've seen it in my own life too where like you know the times in my life where you know some form of escapism has been more predominant have I mean it's usually when I'm my life is filled with things that I'm not as passionate about um, yeah. you know, there's something going on in my life that I, you know, I don't want to face and I want to kind of like, you know, I'd rather escape from. Um, and you know, that just that affects us in health in so many ways. Was there was there like an instigating moment that caused you to kind of finally make that jump? Like what was it? Tell me about that moment where either something happened that caused you to make that jump into entrepreneurship or maybe when you and your wife realized like okay, now is the time, like we're officially going to do this.
1: Oh man, great question! Yeah, you know, it, it, usually, if you know, at least in my own experience with these sorts of big decisions, there is some some sort of building pressure and anxiety and a lot of back and forth. Uh, you know, I I often struggle a lot more with the decision making process and the over analysis than once I finally make up my mind and I have a plan, I I just go and it feels good. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a really hard choice. You know, I do, I talk about that some in, in my book, the ultra mindset, and, and it was, uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about it during the the oh. summer that I was doing, uh, a, a big race series called the lead man here in Colorado, which is a series of, of long distance, high altitude running and mountain biking races. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a big challenge. It was really tough. I, I do. I, I remember actually my, my dad and I were camping out in Leadville, um, before one of those races. And we had kind of a real nice long and leisurely day, just hanging out outside the, the camper. And I do remember a, a specific moment, you know, and I kind of turned to him and I said, you know, dad, I'm, I'm dropping out of this principal licensure program. You know, I'm, 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 uh, you know, one way to call it would be quitting, another way would be to uh pivoting or redeciding. Right. You know, you get to you get to, to define how these things are, are termed in your own mind and I think there's a, a value in that. Uh you know, when I said, Dad, I'm I'm going for it here and, and as always he was he was supportive and you know, I'm sure he said something like, I, I believe in you and I know that you can make it as a as a coach and uh you know, let me know how I can help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And I, and I feel like that's having some support around it is so, so instrumental. I remember when I started my business, which was about five years ago, you know, I'd been kind of stewing on the idea for a year or two, you know, kind of building a business plan in my head that of course, business plan that failed within the first like six months of business. But, uh, you know, it wasn't until I started sharing that with other people where I, you know, started getting these bursts of encouragement, where there were some people that kind of looked at me and they were like, you have to do this. Like, you know, this is, you, you need to do this. This is, yep, this fits you. And and it really, you know, if I would have just kept it in my head the whole time, I don't know if I would have done that. And so I feel like that support system is so instrumental with it. You mentioned, you know, naturally when we start moving towards our dreams, there's going to be challenges what have been some of the bigger challenges for you over the last 10 years as you've been kind of navigating growing your business and making getting into a place where it's you know sustaining the future for you and your family that you've dreamed of
1: yeah oh that's a great question seth and and first you know back to just briefly back to that point about the support community one thing i've realized uh you know, now almost 10 years into the self-employment thing is, is a, at least for me, I, I need colleagues. I need connection with, with other uh, adult professionals in, in some professional realm, you know, even if I am, you know, basically running a a, a one man uh, company, um, that's just something I, I need. And at, at one point I realized like, oh, I ca- I can choose my colleagues, you know, you work in traditional employment. It's like, here's your colleagues make the most of it. And, you know, hopefully it's a good fit. And um, I've kind of realized like, oh, I can actually now I can choose my own colleagues. So I can choose people like you, Seth, who I can bounce business plans off of or other other endurance coaches or other, uh, you know, I have a a really good friend who's kind of a, a, you know, executive, uh, performance coach named Jim Harshaw. And, and we, you know, we pretty mm. much every month have, have personal slash professional calls where we're catching up and chatting about ideas. And, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, that's, that's been great. And I would highly recommend that to anyone and, and a platform, you know, while we're on it, a platform like fireside is a great place for that because you can interact with a, with like-minded community. Um, yeah, yeah, so there is that. And then back to your question about the challenges, um, I do. I think it's very important, you know, to not um, sugarcoat it and make it seem like, you know, okay, you know, you you become an entrepreneur and and you're just living the dream and everything's always going to be easy. Um, It's not, you know, it it is hard. You're you're very much with with my wife and I both being self-employed and our, our kids are now eight and 10. So they're kind of out of the real little kid phase, but now they're into the, you know, busier sort of bigger kid phase with sports and activities and lots of logistics and and all that. And, you know, the being self-employed does give us a, uh, you know, a, a degree of flexibility, which is awesome for you know me being able to fit in my my training and racing you know amy being able to do her side projects with design and and renovation um being able to support the kids with with their kind of stuff but it also very much at times does make for a a complete shit show of you know dad's got to work now mom's got to work now we, we, you know you you have meetings you, you know you have very much a non-traditional work schedule where Um, Amy especially has, has had a lot of weekend work throughout the years because her, uh, you know, high school students, that's when they're available for, for meetings. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going to be easy, uh, by any means. Uh, Um, you know, another challenge is, is the, um, just the income uncertainty, you know, my, again, most of my income is, is, uh, professional or excuse me, not professional, but adult endurance athletes who are paying, you know, a a monthly coaching fee. Um, And that does cycle with high and low times um, throughout the year. Uh, That definitely took a significant hit with uh, with COVID because all the events were canceled. Uh, Right. You know, we. We were lucky at that time that that Amy's business did remain consistent. And it also meant, I mean, school was canceled. So someone had to, you know, right. now be the online homeschool uh, teacher. And a lot of that role fell to me, um, which would not necessarily have been my choice. But, right. you know, it, it was what it was. Um so yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely challenges there there there's um you know especially early on as you mentioned are those low moments of you know is this going to work how how do i set up the plan how do i do pricing what is the service i'm offering um who, who is my specific clientele you know cuz starting out as a coach you know i kind of had the sense of like i'm you know I'm a coach to everyone. And, right. you know, then, then I kind of slowly, I realized, okay, who, who is signing up? What is, you know, that person's typical profile or profiles and, and who's a, who's a good fit for me. So you, you gotta, you know, definitely kind of figure that out and it, and it may change over time, um, which is okay as well.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and I think all of those points that you touched on are are huge in uh in you know maintaining and growing a business i'd love to know travis um what have been some you mentioned pricing you mentioned you know kind of focusing in on your audience and your ideal avatar what have been some of the things like that that have been really critical over the years in in helping to actually grow your business and make it more sustainable because you know, like you said, I think, I think you're similar to a lot of people where when we started, it's like, okay, we started this business. We want to help everybody. Um, and I know for me, I've had, I've had a big fear of like niching down and I've had big challenges over the years with, you know, dramatically underpricing and, you know, dealing with, you know, am I really, you know, how do we price this thing? And am I worth that much? And like just all of the mental battles you struggle with. So what have been some things, that over the years have been particularly um, helpful in you growing your business?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one um, important question that that Amy and I have faced many times and continue to face is, you know, what does it mean to grow and remain sustainable? I, I think for a lot of people, you start a business and it's like, oh, growth looks like as many clients as possible. It looks like Infrastructure, you know, as far as a real nice professional office where you're meeting clients and, and working and it looks like um, a- having as many employees as possible. Right. That's that's kind of the traditional idea of a company. It's like all of these things. And uh, somehow Amy and I both uh, have realized that at least for us, things are more sustainable and, and in fact more profitable when it's kept very small and simple. So, you know, I, Amy and I together own a company called Macy Consulting. And, you know, through that, I guess that's just for tax purposes, you know, she does the college counseling and I do the coaching and and speaking. Um, We each have one person under us who does some additional um, basically contracting. You know, I have another uh, coach who takes on clients who are a good fit for her where, you know, kind of I bring in the business, but she does most of the coaching. And then Amy has one other person, um, similar to that, who, you know, takes on college counseling clients, you know, basically if, if she hits her own max load, uh, but we have made an intentional decision to let's keep it like that. We're not renting an office space. We're not paying employees. We're not, uh, providing health insurance that, you know, that definitely, um, keeps the business from scaling per se, but it also allows it to uh, stay at a, you know, basically we we have enough clients to, to make things work for our family and that's been fine. And and I right. think we've also made a decision, you know, that's the the a very common question, you know, any coach would get is, well, how many, how many athletes are you coaching? and some people might think, well, my goal is to coach as many athletes as I can. And I've heard coaches say, you know, Oh, I'm coaching 87 people or hundred people or, you know, 150 people or whatever. And, and at least the way I do coaching, I can't coach more than 20 people at a time. Right. You know how I like, I, I, I like to be hands-on a lot of communication, a lot of analysis of the workouts. Everything is, is personalized. You know, I'm not just giving you some 5k training plan like i'm coaching you from where you're at and what's your life and you know you tell me your work schedule and family schedule and we build everything around that and that's just that's how i want to do things um it also means i charge more probably than than most coaches because it is a different and more um personalized uh service but for me that's that's been a good fit and uh, you know my max is is 20 clients that's the most i can take um at a time and and that's been fine.
0: And I, I love that. I love that you know that. Uh, there's there's a brewery here in Fort Collins called Horse and Dragon Brewery. And I, I know their owners and they have their, you know, it's it's probably the fourth or fifth largest brewery in Fort Collins, but they intentionally don't distribute to other regions and they don't want to. One, because, you know, they they want to be aware of the climate impact of the transportation and different things. But also they've initially built the brewery where they know their capacity and they know the capacity that when they hit that, that they'll be, you know, taking good care of their family, taking good care of their team, and they don't have a desire to grow past that. Um, and not that, you know, I think growth is healthy for any business, but I also think knowing your boundaries and knowing why you're doing it is, is so important. So I think that's, that's hugely, you know, that because I've seen that too, where it's just, it's so easy to kind of get sucked into this you know, we, we hear about the American dream of starting your own business and then we get sucked really quickly into feeling like, okay, we just have to keep growing and growing and growing. When we, when you started and, you know, like anybody, I think it's, you know, do the customers come first or does, you know, do you start and, you know, build it and they will come. Megan, Megan Zink is on stage and she had a really good question kind of about that. And, you know, did you kind of just start with your passion and hope that the customers came or did you have customers right away? So, Megan, if you, if you can hear us, I'd love for you to um, unmute yourself and ask Travis kind of the question that you were thinking of, because it's such a, such a great question that every business has to, has to come Absolutely. across. Absolutely.
2: First of all, thank you Seth so much. I love your podcast. Um, Travis, it's great to see you again. And I haven't been on here for a while because my husband and I are actually moving to Colorado, like officially. So, Good. <laughs> so that's Good pretty cool. Um, you know
0: where you're moving to yet?
2: we're going to be in the golden area. Um, okay. so, yeah. so right in
0: the middle of, right in the middle of Travis and I,
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I'm going to have to take all your recommendations.
0: <laughs> so, cool. uh,
2: Seth, you're, um, I did have that question, but actually Travis, what you just said spurred another quick one and I hope that's okay. I don't, yeah, to go do for it. Of a tangent, but Travis, you were talking about, you know, the fact of kind of, this American dream of starting your own business and having to constantly grow and hustle and keep going and get bigger. And that not necessarily is the ideal for everybody. So my question is when you were starting your business, cause I thought it was super fascinating that you were kind of doing it as a side hustle. Um, but the thing that's very popular right now is to kind of YOLO it and like quit. just like go for it. And I've kind of always been of the ilk that that's not necessarily the right choice for some people. So I was curious as to like how long you were building it as a side hustle before you. And I'm sorry if you said that, but um, I wasn't sure.
1: Yeah, great question, Megan. And um, you know, as far as do you do you YOLO and van life it and, you know, build the business that way? Or do you do it as a as a side thing while while you have some other Part or full time employment. I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. <laughs> you know, we're all we're all on this journey called life, and there's there's not a roadmap, and you really just have to to figure it out. Um, in in my case, uh, you know, I um, was was basically it, it, while the seven years while I was a full time uh, high school teacher, I, I was also you know to a large extent a, a professional endurance athlete, so I was uh, you know, training, I was racing, I was really kind of going all in on both of those things, teaching and racing. And towards the end of that time is when I decided to start taking some of my, um, my own, uh, coaching clients and, and also learning, uh, learning about coaching, gaining certifications and, and background, uh, while I was doing that. And, um, you know, I guess that, that, that's kind of how I did it. Uh, You know, I guess the clearest answer is it took me, I don't know, seven or eight years of sort of doing both of those things, you know, at a, at a pretty intense push, um, you know, to then be able to consider taking that, uh, that jump. So that's, that's kind of how it worked out for me. And, you know, again, I'm a, a, at the same side. We were starting to ha- have kids and, you know, buying and renovating houses and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, it, you know, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot of time watching TV and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's being, being active and pursuing a variety of things at once, I guess. For
2: sure. Well, that is very relieving to hear. Cause I think sometimes the narrative that people, and you know, like you said, everybody's journey is different, but sometimes I think the narrative is like, if you hustle really hard, you might be an overnight success. And it, when you actually peel back the onion, it's like, actually people were, people are working on their blogs for 11 years or something, you know, just all that. So I love that you are uh, open to sharing that. Um, so that kind of segues into my original question was when you were building that business, did you find that you just built it out of pure passion and then your customers started coming to you? Did you build it out of pure passion just because you loved it and then you realized that you could have customers? Or did you kind of get to a tipping point where you're like, maybe I can make this a business and I'm going to actually start going after customers? I was curious into the breakdown
1: of that. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's another good question. I mean, I think it started for me with passion as an athlete. And and then also, mm-hmm. you know, that's the passion for the sport. It's the passion for the daily process, the passion for the competition. Um, for many years, there there was and continues to be a passion for travel that was mixed in, you know, as I came out of college and, you know, it was like, I, I don't have any money to do anything, but I can, you know, get these uh, sponsors that are going to pay me a little bit of money to live off of. And they're going to pay for plane tickets all over the world to go to these races, you know, boy, there's a passion of, again, the international travel and meeting a like-minded community and and all that. So yeah, the passion was there. And then I, um, I would say over the years, you know, maybe it, uh, there was some shift from like, okay, you know, sponsorship is a way to earn part or all of my income as an athlete to, um, Coaching is is a way to do it, and as it turns out, the coaching is actually more, a lot more consistent than um, sponsorships. At, at least, you know, again, in these these sort of niche endurance uh, sports, and the coaching allows me to um, do another thing I'm really passionate about, and it has always motivated me professionally, which is helping other people um, make the most of. Of their lives. I've always enjoyed the the teaching and coaching. You know, I, I have a master's degree in education, curriculum and instruction, and that's another thing I'm just super interested in: is how do you how do you teach people, how do you help people? Um, and as I kind of got to thinking, you know, I I was spending my time teaching Shakespeare, which uh, you know everyone likes Shakespeare, but it, what I really like is uh, <laughs> how do I teach someone how to run 100 miles or. So, do an adventure race or something. So I still get to teach and help people, but now I'm doing it in a uh, subject matter that, um, uh, that I really like.
2: I love that. Have you ever made a metaphor about Shakespeare with the marathon?
1: Uh, no, but I'm sure there's plenty of (laughs) opportunity (laughs) therein.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Megan, thanks so much for your questions. Thanks for coming on stage. We're always happy to have you here. And uh, welcome Nate Dern to the stage, who is uh, the co-host of On the Run with Trav and Nate. So you guys know each other. Welcome to the stage, Nate.
3: Thanks, Seth. I've been enjoying listening to the to the podcast this morning. Hey, Trav. Um. Thanks, Megan, for your great question. Uh, and Trav, I have a question, which is. If you had any advice for your high school self, uh, thinking about the business world or, you know, getting a job in the real world, what what would it be? Um, I think uh, sometimes I think that I was a little naive when I was in high school. I think I I got a lot of encouragement that uh, I could be anything I wanted to be or I could do whatever I wanted to do, which was great. But I think I could have used a little more uh, <laughs> real world um you know, kind of advice about how sometimes things are tough and even though you might not be able to be what you want to be, you might be able to make your own path and figure out something else pretty, pretty close to it. Uh, so yeah. What advice would you give to your high school self career wise?
1: Oh man, Nate, great question. And, and, uh, <laughs> Nate, Nate and I, of course, are friends from high school and, you know, Nate, I think maybe a good piece of advice it sounds like probably for, for you and I both, um, it may have been something very blunt to the extent of you will fail period. And that's okay. Um, I, I think that, you know, Nate and I g- grew up in an environment of, uh, like you said, Nate, of overachieving and doing very well and getting a lot of, of good feedback. And I know that I kind of, you know, probably went into college at least with some sense of, of invincibility and you know basically if you work hard things will immediately go very well and you know there's some truth to that i'm am a big fan of hard work but i've also realized that life is a lot more uh dynamic and and i do you know i remember um when Nate and i were both recently out of college i was uh teaching high school Nate was doing teach for america You know, the the, and those are challenging work environments, and I remember Nate some of those calls we had together. Of it it was very tough, and we were coming to terms with you know life is not as straightforward as you may think, and and that actually made me think back uh, to Megan's question as well. You know, just how sort of how long does it take? You know, one answer, one thing I've realized as I get older and just face more of the. Challenges in gray areas of life, whether it's Alzheimer's or parenting or, you know, um, it, the work that goes into having a good and sustained marriage. You know, the most things in life uh, I've learned uh, are harder and take more time than we may have expected.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, and I was thinking about that too. And when, when Megan asked her question is, you know, everybody's journey is different. Um, you know, I alluded to the fact that, you know, my first business plan failed, you know, within like six months. And I almost feel like business plans are, it's, it's pretty much your first business plan is like your first, that's your first plan that's just not going to work. So you should just look at that. Like you're going to put tons of time into this beautiful plan and then it's just, it's not going to work and that's okay. And I think that everybody's journey is a little bit different. For me, the last five years, it's been a little bit of a hybrid of, you know, there's been times where I've been full-time into my business. And there's been times where I've had a contract or a client where, you know, I'm pretty much full-time for them and my business is part of a side hustle. And so I think that it's been, it's different for everybody. Everybody's business and not even just business, everybody's career, everybody's journey is, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than other people's and it's going to be a little bit different than different Than than what people maybe expect or what you expect. And, you know, as we start to bring this to a close, Travis, I'd love to know, like, can we just get really practical for for people that particularly are kind of aspiring business owners or are business owners, what have been some of the things that have been um, you know, some of the kind of the the lessons that you would kind of pass on to other entrepreneurs that are just really practical? Like, you know what, if you're wanting to grow a business, if you're wanting to um, have a business, then here, here's some things that you've learned on your journey that you'd like to kind of pass on to our audience.
1: Yeah, that's another great question, Seth. <laughs> I was actually just, as you were talking about even the word business plan, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this here, but but I guess I will. I, I've never written a business plan and, and Amy hasn't either. And, uh, you know, we've I think gone, gone a bit more from, um, you know, instead of ready, aim, fire, just sort of fire and then ready and (laughs) and figure it out. And and again, you know, is that my advice to
0: people? What, What do they say when you're shooting, when you're learning to shoot skeet, they say shoot first, think second.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, again, we all have different personalities and, you know, different tolerances for, uh, you know, what you, you might call risk uh, for example. And, you know, again, does it make for, you know, some, some crazy times and, and income fluctuation and that kind of stuff? Uh, absolutely. But anyway, that's, you know, that's kind of how we've done it. Um, you know, a couple other takeaways are, um, don't, don't hesitate to ask for help. Uh, again, we touched on that could be just talking with like-minded people, you know, more for moral support and idea exchange. Um, it could be, uh, paying for, um, you know, actual help with, uh, with skilled work. So, you know, we pay someone to do our taxes, business and personal taxes, and and there's no way. I mean, maybe I could figure out how to do that on my own, but it would take a lot of time, and I don't like it at all. Um, so that you know, that's been helpful. Um, you know, I uh, like with my podcast. You know, I kind of knew from the start if I, I, and again, I thought forever about launching the podcast till I finally did it. And, right. and part of that was connecting with a, a great company called Playlist that that happens to be based in South Africa, and we connected. And you know the the owner, Mavation, was an awesome dude, and he was excited about supporting my podcast. And I knew I am not going to do any audio editing or, or anything like that. It's just it's not my thing. And so hey, here's a you know here's a, a partnership. So anyway, for, you know, basically finding people to team up with, um, who might be able to help you in that way, I think is important. And, and, and to see if you can find, um, like-minded people, you know, who, who you just have a good sense or kind of in, in it with a similar mission to you. Um, right. even in, uh, you know, in, in writing my book, I, I used a, a co-writer for that and we were, you know, I feel like I know how to write pretty well. I was an English teacher, etc. cetera, but I, I knew this could probably be better if I also work with someone else. Um, and right. I, I, have another, uh, my dad and I have a book proposal out right now. And same thing, you know, we're hoping to make it come through, but we, we've also connected with other professionals. Like, you know, if you want to sell a book to a publisher, you need an established literary agent. Uh, and then once again, it it will, um, hopefully be a, a co-written, uh, book as well. So, I guess in other words you know maybe some some of the moral is you're you're not you're not in it alone and you know that's okay make make the team um and again just um be be patient you know it it, it is going to be hard hopefully it does set you up for some of the romantic uh things that you're looking for whether that's time flexibility or travel or you know time with your family whatever um, it, and it, it is going to be hard as well. You know, there's pluses and minuses to, to any system. And I've definitely had plenty of days along the way where it's like, boy, this would be a lot simpler if I just went to work from nine to five and and then, you know, mm-hmm. forgot about work for the rest of the time. Um,
0: right. Yeah. And I mean, what I hear you saying is one, you're not alone and two, you can't do it alone. And I think that's yeah. something that so many entrepreneurs They think, you know, I have this great idea or I have this skill set and, you know, I can kind of build this business. And the reality is the most successful, I mean, pretty much any successful business owner that I've met, they have not done it alone. You know, whether they're a part of masterminds or regular coaching or, you know, they're, you know, bullish about outsourcing things like whatever it might be. Um, everybody has people around them. And I think it's just, especially in the early days of a business, it's so easy to think that you have to do it all on your own. So I couldn't agree more. And I I think that's super true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Seth, I think you, you uh, specifically, you provide a a potentially a good partnership, right? For people who are doing podcasts or trying to start, you know, something like that. Like, hey, why not work, work with an expert like you and just make the thing better from the start?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, in a similar way to where you realized with your podcast, you know, you're wanting to see, you're wanting to see it happen, but you just realized, you know, you, you needed a partnership. You need somebody to support you. And I'd encourage anybody listening. If there's things you're wanting to do, but you're not doing it, um, start having conversations, start reaching out to people that might be able to help kind of get you to the, get you to the start line with those projects. Because if you're thinking about it, it probably needs, you're probably thinking about it for a good reason. You probably want to get that that product or that business or that podcast out into the world for for a good reason. So I think that is super super important. And Travis, I'd love to kind of close this with just kind of giving the stage to you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? And uh, what what are you looking for? Like who's who's kind of the ideal people that uh, our listeners can kind of send your way to Travis Macy.
1: Well, um, you know, on Fireside, as you mentioned, Nate and I are are trying out this uh, on the run uh, gig most Thursdays at five PM Mountain, and we go live here on Fireside, and we uh, we're running along, having a conversation, talking with a guest, and and hopefully connecting with a, a you know a growing community of Firesiders who uh, maybe are even doing their own exercise. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you're thinking, hey, you want to get some exercise, see if you can plan a session for, for that, uh, time window. And we'd love to hear from you while you're out walking, running, biking, hiking, riding the stationary bike, uh, et cetera. So that's one way. Um, I'm on Instagram at Travis Macy. Uh, you know, again, most of my endurance coaching clients are, are folks who are, um, uh, excited about or, or training for an event in ultra running mountain biking, adventure racing, uh, ski mountaineering, um, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of always connecting with, um, with companies who are interested in, uh, in, in keynotes or, uh, development events. And, you know, so in the last year, a lot of those have been virtual, um, previous to that. And also moving forward, some of those events are, um, you know, getting together and I, I like to get people doing something, you know, let's go hike a 14 er or, or some of that peak, some at that peak or something and work together doing it. And and then also combine that, you know, with kind of some uh, book reading and, and that, uh, that sort of stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, Travis, thank you so much for coming on the Small Business Storytellers. Uh, I appreciate it greatly, but also, you know, it's, it's great just to, to learn more of the business behind what you're doing. And I love that you've built your business out of your passion and that at the end of the day, you know, business is a vehicle for you to serve people. So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we'll have to stay in touch. And I look forward to next time in Salida. I'm in Salida uh, getting to sit down together in person. So Travis, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Seth, thanks, man. Uh, awesome job on the podcast. Great questions. Thanks as always to the Fireside community. I think this is a cool thing that we are uh, are getting going with. I, I've really enjoyed listening and Connecting in, uh, Megan and Nate, thanks for your questions. Uh, Megan, welcome to uh, Colorado. Almost. Golden is uh, Golden's an awesome spot. Great trails right out the door.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, we'll talk to you next time, Travis. And uh, for those of you in the audience, uh, we have a lot of exciting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks on the Small Business Storytellers. Um, we will be releasing episodes and doing interviews on Tuesdays. In Thursdays, we'll be trying out a couple different times of the day over the next couple months. Um, but yeah, come back to the Small Business Storytellers to hear more stories of you know really passion-driven and sustainable businesses. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Small Business Storytellers. If you've wanted to start a podcast and have been wondering if you can use podcasting to grow your business, but don't know where to start, I'd love to talk. Head to successwithstories.com slash podcast to learn exactly how to launch, grow, and profit from a podcast for your business. Again, that is successwithstories.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it with someone you know who would also like it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, let me know. Thank you. And we will see you next time on the Small Business Storytellers.